0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Freelance Life. Uh, I'm Megan, the host, and, uh, well, you probably know me by now if you've watched some of our other episodes. Um, I'm joined by Shay, the other half of Freelance Life. Say hi, Shay. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, we're joined, it's a special episode tonight because uh, we are joined by Michelle, who is a freelance uh, well, you're not just freelance. I'm gonna, I'm actually gonna make you introduce yourself, Michelle. So why don't you tell us? You've got 60 seconds. Tell us all the okay, the, the good stuff.
1: Okay, <laughs> great. So my my whole screen just froze like up until that moment. So um, jumping straight in. <laughs> I'm an advertising vet. Um, I've been doing this for about 15 years. It feels like it's about 50 some days. Um, creative director, um, part-time superhero. I'd like to think. Um, I'm a designer by trade, but I've been involved in all sorts of other things and now recently uh, jumping into the whole AI usage um, to see how it works with my career and with my day-to-day tasks.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and we've brought you on board because Shay and I are both writers and we wanted to have this discussion about AI a little bit more kind of multi-dimensional. Um, I've played around with mid-journey a little bit um, but I mean most of my experience is on the the writing side which is quite different even from a prompt perspective but we'll get all you know, into all of that. I think maybe let's kick off the discussion and chat about how AI has actually impacted creative roles in general. Um, in other words, has it changed what you do and what clients expect of you since Gen AI? Uh, or I think ChatGPT was the first Gen AI to be released. Um, has it changed anything that you do?
1: Yeah, I think um, there's always been this expectation that we can sort of make magic out of nothing. And now we have tools that can I- almost make magic out of nothing. <laughs> um, so I think what what has happened is um, we are seeing a lot of shorter deadlines and greater expectations. And there is this uh, general understanding that it's super easy to prompt um, AI and get what you need. So uh, there in general, anticipating, um, uh, lower fees because it's so easy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's been a, it's been a mixed bag. I admit I was a bit of a, a late, um, a late starter with the AI stuff because as it started, uh, sort of hitting the mainstream and people were talking about it, I, I was a little bit um, of a Luddite and I was like, no, I don't like the idea of this taking over creatives roles. Um, but I, I've definitely warmed up to it. Um, mm. It's, it helps, uh, it helps in a lot of ways, but um, I do find that the the expectations on creative have changed a little bit because of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you Shay, um, I, I know we've discussed before about how like writing prompts. I mean, chat GPT is the big one, but there's Gemini, which was the old bard. There's, there's like a dime a dozen content generation tools now for for written stuff um how has it impacted what you do
2: so i'd say definitely from a productivity perspective it helps in that you can actually get more done in a shorter space of time one huge use case that i found is interviews so i mean having an interview transcribed for you as you have it it's there it's written for you you're not having to sit and listen to something and type it out and then make sense of it and write an article around it so i mean that's just one small use case but that's you know saves you hours of time so um, mm. from a productivity perspective awesome and i've actually found from a client expectation perspective also awesome i love how with a lot of my clients anyway their expectations of what I produce has actually gotten higher because they're expecting what I produce to be better than what the bots can do. So it's kind of pushed me creatively to think, okay, how can I make sure that this doesn't look like AI? What am I bringing that's new to the table, something that's real proprietary information or that people can't actually get anywhere else so Mm. I think from that perspective it's actually been really positive and that I've been forced to maybe dig a little deeper than I would have be a little bit less generic than I might have been in the past um so I'm all for that producing the higher quality stuff
0: yeah yeah less generic so you're not starting your conversations or oh, your God. your intro paragraphs with in the dynamic business changing. landscape <laughs> oh my gosh. as we navigate uh, Go yeah, on a journey, a- journey. <laughs> in conclusion yeah um i've actually seen an impact on the type of clients i'm using and i don't know if this is something hmm. you guys have noticed as well um small businesses feel that uh they can rely on ai it's cheaper than using uh, a writer to create content um maybe because they're smaller businesses or maybe because they don't know better you know generally business owners do their own marketing but they're not necessarily marketers and content creators they uh they tend to just kind of copy paste the crap that comes out of these ai generative engines and um so and they get it for free Whereas all my massive corporates are like, we want you to use AI tools, but uh, there needs to be that uh, if we catch you copy pasting, there's going to be big trouble because there still needs that kind of human intervention. So that's one of the things that I've seen. I've seen a massive drop off in small clients um, and the marketing agencies and corporate clients that I write for, uh, are they're all into AI, but you know, as a tool not as a just a generate and copy-paste. Yeah. Mm. So, and you can
2: see – and I notice a lot of that on social media. I know you're not on Facebook, but gosh, you can see all the small businesses that are using copy-paste AI with thousands of emojis per post. And you wonder – You know, at what point is everyone just going to skim past that content knowing that no human has ever Mm. touched it? And then will they come running back to actual, um.
0: Human-created yeah. social media content. Yeah, but that's that's the thing. I mean, um, a lot of the stuff is templated, and I think that's obviously how the AI has been trained. It's been trained on stuff that's been generated, and then mm-hmm. it aggregates it and pushes it out as a template. So, like your, like you say, even LinkedIn uh, posts are like emoji heavy, and you can. Um, it's always that like title case. Heading with the two emojis on either side and then it like goes into a, a, a paragraph. How, how are we spotting um, uh, the graphic side, Michelle? Like is there, you know, obviously the graphic side, it's like you look for like the extra fingers on the hands yes. and like the weird... <laughs> The weird yeah. eye, and you know, the um, it's the, but it's it's getting better. I mean, I don't know if you if you guys have seen the the um the preview for Sora, which is OpenAI's animation tool. It is mind boggling what this thing can can create. And uh, in in the last few months, how it's how the development has jumped. So I mean, it's becoming better at the graphic side of things. So so how are you um finding it, Mish?
1: I think it comes down to <clears throat> it's a tool, right? so in the right hands if it's cro- if it's used correctly, you can craft really beautiful stuff, and it's like you mentioned with some of your smaller clients, they're just sort of generating stuff using a i because it's cheaper or it's free or whatever it's not necessarily good, so mm. you know you do you do spot a lot of things where um like you mentioned, there's always the dodgy hands um there's, there's an element still in some of the photographic stuff. It's like a plasticity to the, the skin. You know, uh, it, it's trained off of all these perfect images of people who've been airbrushed to death. So you land up like losing something authentic and it's very sort of uncanny valley-esque at times. Um, that's mm-hmm. where I'm seeing it the most. Um, and also, I mean, it's it's on a social... Side of things, but you see all these look at this cute real animal. can you believe this is real kind of post, and you know it's obviously something that's been generated because <laughs> yeah, so um yeah it's it's getting harder and harder to spot, but I think uh it comes down to that same uh, level of crafting you know if mm. if you've got someone who has lots of experience, they can use the tool in a very successful way and uh still make it feel like it's something that's been handcrafted and has a
0: human. Um, touch involved Mm, mm. Um, so how do you actually like apply AI in your job Um, because uh, as we were setting up this interview we were chatting on whatsapp and you sent me a whole bunch of really hilarious images that you were trying to prompt and like the one image looked like it came straight out of the sequel of Mars Attacks Mm. Um, and I'm sure that that was not the uh, the intended um or the intention of that image so um how how are you actually leveraging so maybe uh chat about like how you're actually using it in your processes and then um maybe we can go from there into you know your kind of prompt strategies
1: yeah yeah absolutely so i think the the biggest challenge um for most creatives is when it comes down to working on things like key visuals or storyboarding uh you for the most part um and especially with our ever shrinking timelines to go and draw out a full storyboard in lots of detail can take a couple of days. Um, so I'm using mid journey quite a lot um, to generate scenes or um, different imagery, et cetera, for storyboarding or to brief photographers um, as sort of a supplementary tool. Um, I think as well, <clears throat> From a key visual perspective, we struggle, especially in the South African market, to find stock imagery that's representat- representative of our people. So you will always find like the African American family with the picket veins, but you won't mm-hmm. find people who look like the people we interact with on a daily basis. So to try mm-hmm. and um, find the right stock imagery to to kind of land these proof of concept ideas it's impossible sometimes and that's where something like a mid-journey is very helpful because you can put in prompts and get a little bit closer to the direction you want
0: to go yeah yeah and you um shay obviously you mentioned that you're using the one use case was the um the transcription of interviews and that kind of thing um are you using uh Any other tools or are you using generative AI in a way that actually you're creating content with it? Or is it more kind of for ideation and that kind of thing? So it's a great
2: brainstorming buddy for me. I mean, you know, working alone, you sometimes get stuck in your own head. So it's great to be able, for example, to say, give me 10 options for email subject lines. Most of the time, I'll never actually use one that's been, you know, it won't be an exact replica, but it gets me thinking about, oh, that's a really, I hadn't thought of that. Let me delve into that a bit further. So as a brainstorming partner, great Um, summarizing text. So if I've got a huge thing to read that I know I actually don't need to read it line by line, every detail, I just need the gist, shove it into chat GPT and please say summarize the key points um i'll use it to generate bullet lists which is great so again taking a whole chunk of text say organize it into logical bullet points and then from there i can see okay that's actually what i want to talk about and so yeah brainstorming buddy um yeah just like an assistant to do the kind of mundane stuff that would have taken quite a long time that i can now condense into a shorter time frame and actually use the new time I have available to me to get a bit more creative or spend time going mm. a bit deeper. I know mm. you use perplexity for research. I still get nervous about um, stats and sources, so I always ask for that, but then I, I still go double-check because I, I, that's something that does – I don't know what your experience has been like mm. with that.
0: Uh, Yeah, perplexity is amazing. And I think that um, I know that there's been a lot of investment in the model. It's connected to the internet. Uh, It's got that kind of chat GPT plugin as well that generates text and you can actually have a really good conversation with it. You know, uh, when when you're doing research, but I've had cases that um, I've asked for specific statistics because a lot mm. of the stuff I write, you need very very specific statistics, and there has to, there's parameters. You know, it can't be older than you know a year old, or it has to be something you know a trending news article that's been released in the mm. last three months. Um, and uh, a lot of the time, I have picked up with those very specific queries that uh either it makes something up and it references it so it'll give you a link it'll give you a link and it'll give you a summary of like what you're looking for um you click on that link and you cannot find any reference to that in the article (laughs) um otherwise it's it doesn't look at the the date range so it'll be like give me stats for solo production or whatever in the last three months and it'll give you something from like 2016 so there's i mean these things are not infallible they are definitely mm-hmm. um you have to double check and and it's the same that i mean ai hallucinates all the time It's uh essentially it makes shit up um mm. because uh at the end of the day all it's doing uh it like chat gpt it's remixing data that has been trained on so it's it's more of like a probability thing in terms of what word comes next in the sentence like mary had a little it'll tell you lamb or and then you say well replace lamb with another animal you go through all the animals in the entire animal kingdom and it's going to start making something up that sounds like it could be an animal you know so you have to be so careful um and that's why it's uh i suppose for the average joe copy pasting but if you are marketing and you've you've got stuff Mm -hmm. that is really factually critical to that piece you have to be so careful and double check um your sources and that kind of thing um i don't know do, do you have that with um with the mid-journey stuff um or you, you mentioned that you were playing around on dali as well michelle um like does does the graphic side of ai hallucinate most definitely um i had a an incident
1: um in Mid Journey uh, where I was prompting um an image of three black women sort of mid-twenties, early thirties, um, relaxing by the pool, etc. And one image generated a topless woman in there. And suddenly every <laughs> other, every other iteration was topless. And it was just like, I couldn't <laughs> get away from it. I was like, what did I do to get to this point? I wanted like swimming costumes or tank tops or whatever. And suddenly they're like all toppers. And I'm like, where did this come from? <laughs> um, as well, um, looking at like, mid-journey to Dali using the same prompts in mid-journey and putting them into Dali I got the most terrifying mascot I've ever seen in my <laughs> life with these big sharp teeth and I was like it's the same prompts like you know so so somewhere along the line it's it's uh yeah it's gone off on its own mission and mission. brought me back this yeah
0: I think it all comes down to interpretation. And in many ways, that is um, one of the saving graces, I think, for us as content creators is that the prompt is essentially a a brief. And a lot of people that are relying on these generation tools cannot brief a content creator to save their life. Now they're trying to invent, they're trying to prompt or or, or trying to brief a, a non human, non sentient piece of algorithm. And I mean, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I mean, AI can't read between the lines. So yeah, I mean, uh, swings and roundabouts, I suppose. But um, that's probably a good segue to your prompt strategy. Like, show, like, how do you prompt? Um, I don't know if you've got a use case that you could share with us, um, you know, in terms of the, the prompts that you use to get the optimal outcome. Because I've found um, I try to template my my prompts, and um, because the AI is so unpredictable, it spits out different stuff every time. I can use that same prompt, and it'll give me a completely different. And sometimes it hits my nail on the head. Sometimes it's like, what the hell? Um, so I, that's why I think like prompt guides and that kind of thing are bullshit, because like I don't mm. think that uh, you can really templatize a a prompt. So what's what's your strategy? How do you approach prompting?
2: So I must be honest, I am no prompt master because it takes a lot of time and effort to actually get it right. And I find I actually it's actually quicker for me to just write it myself instead of trying to create, you know, spend half an hour creating a beautiful prompt that's going to get me the best outcome. I'm actually better off just sitting and writing it myself. <laughs> so I definitely have a lot long way to go when it comes to prompt craft. Um, and like you said, the templates, I've tried that. They don't work. I tried one of, um, our Neil Patel put out a couple a while ago for like blogs and all of that. And, you know, the result that you get is is just still meh. So, mm. you know, it does help. Obviously, the more, like any good brief, the more direction you can give, the better. So um, I'll always include, I mean, tone is obviously one of the most important aspects for us writers. So what I found quite helpful to do is if sometimes it's quite hard to read something and describe the tone in a way that you're going to get that exact result. So if I see a tone that I like, or there's a previous article that's been written by the company, I'll say, I'll put that in and say, describe this tone. And then I'll use chat GPT's description of that tone to say, okay, now write this in X and Y tone. Mm, Again, mm. it's not it's not foolproof. Um and sometimes it doesn't quite capture what I'm looking for. And but that's why we're here and that's why we writers and that's why we don't mm. just copy paste. So I definitely have a lot of learning to do and I'm not sure I'm quite ready to go through that <laughs> that learning. <laughs> when actually I enjoy <laughs> sitting down and writing. So <laughs>
0: Yes, yeah, that yeah. that was my
2: my that comment of the of the evening. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you Mish, because, like, like I say at the beginning of this conversation, I played around a little bit with Discord, and um, I've got Chat GPT prompting down to I wouldn't say a fine art, but I can kind of I'll I'll tell you guys how I kind of approach it, but. Um, using that same strategy did not work in discord. Oh my God. Like it was, I was getting really weird crap out of discord and it was like what I was describing in my mind's eye and the result that I was getting out of the, um, the prompts that I was putting in were like chalk and cheese. Um, Mm. so yeah. How, how do you prompt image generation? So one
1: of the things I do is I, I generate my images in the sort of open forum. So I, while I'm waiting for my images to generate, I watch what other people are doing and I steal things from them. Um, so when I see a particular style and I see how they've prompted it, I screenshot that and I store it. <laughs> like a hoarder Um, and I've got like a little folder of AI prompts that I keep on hand. So like, if I need to generate something in that style of art, I'll try and uh, go that route when it comes to images. um, I mean, I I literally, it's, it's quite sad, but I have a whole lot of screenshots of stuff where I've actually um, gone and, you know, recorded what I prompted because it worked. So maybe next time it'll work again. Um, So Mm. I normally use certain keywords like um, photorealistic. Um, I'll use things like um, uh, Unreal Engine 5 or ultra detailed or 4K or whatever, depending on how detailed I want that image to be. Um, I try and prompt it in terms of camera framing. um, So how much of the body I want to see. So some of these things can be really, really long. Um, What I do find sometimes is despite giving it this huge list of commands and this very, very granular detail, it still spits out like an image of someone from the the waist up when you want like a full length. So Mm. if I get to the point where I've generated loads of images and I keep you know, refreshing and trying to see if it can pick up the prompts again and it's still doing the same thing, then I sometimes will go and uh, reference an image and bring in an image and say, like this, you know, but with this and this mm-hmm. and this, um, i found that uh, the the amount of detail is very hit and miss. sometimes you give it loads of detail and it understands you, other times it's just it's just not happening. Um, mm. what I found in, on Dali because it's so conversational is um if you are trying to create something so I was trying to create like a childish mascot. And it came back to me with all these like hints. It's like if you're trying to create something childish, you should look at the head proportions and you should look at the eyes. And you know, it's like it gives you all this this assistance. Um, and then you try and use it and again it's it's hit or miss. In this case, Dali works very nicely with uh anything that's got like a Pixar-esque vibe. So it seems to love the animated side of things, where I found Mid Journey seems to love the photorealistic side of things. Um But yeah, I mean, literally as as I go and as I generate things and as I see what other people are generating, I just pinch and try and sort of cobble together my own uh, list of Mm -hmm.
0: prompts. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, The way I approach it is that I have to put myself in the mindset that I'm speaking to an algorithm. And, um, you know, I've done a little bit of coding. um, And if you think of these, engines they are not created by creative people they're created by coders so you have yeah. to try and think like a coder so um you have to there's a limit to the amount of stuff that you can ask it to do in one prompt so you know it's all about testing a prompt and then iterating it to uh to try and get what you want and um one of the biggest things i've noticed is uh if you're working on like long form content you can't chuck everything in and say um you know rewrite this as a blog and these are the the headings for the blog you actually have to break the content up manually and then rewrite section by section because otherwise the 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 generation is just going to generate uh you know basically the same sentence over and over and over again, all the way down in different forms, um, and it becomes very, very one-dimensional. So, you know, break break pieces up into separate components and prompt and iterate and prompt. I mean, yeah. it, it's not going to it's not going to spit out the best thing on the first go. The flip side to that is, the more you iterate, the more you hit that refresh button, the more synonyms it uses. So, you know. Um, uh, you know, uh, I can't even think of an example, but you you start off with simple language, and by the fourth reiteration, you are like at varsity thesis level. Um So <laughs> you have to be careful with that kind of thing. I mean, you have to specify simplicity, but uh, yeah, that, that would be my to big. See.
2: Sorry, Meg. Um, mm-hmm. I saw an article saying that Chat GPT has now got memory, so to remember context and um, inputs that you've used in the past that you're not having to always mm-hmm. repeat those. So I think they opened it to a couple of free users and it's um, so I haven't experimented or seen it yet, but it'll be interesting to see if that affects the way um, that it responds in a way that you want it to so
0: that mm-hmm. it can actually remember what's gone before. It will. I mean there is uh, there is already a contextual memory i think it can remember up to 5000 characters or something or 5000 words it's it's quite a it's quite substantial mm. already um but the longer you go down in the chat the, le- the less it's going to remember what you said right at the top mm. um so i it would be interesting I, I i'd heard that but i haven't actually looked into it so it'll mm. be interesting um also for from, I mean, if you're writing across different or creating uh, content for across different clients, you don't want it to remember client A when you're working on client B. So mm. um, as long as there's no kind of that cross-pollination between the chats, then that's cool. But uh, yeah. Create-
2: great. I don't know if it is possible if you could almost, and maybe on a paid version or something where you could create. Different environments or brand profiles, and then you know you don't have to describe the tone every time. Just tweaks mm. for that specific piece, mm. and almost have like a brand guide per client. Or it probably exists well, somewhere that's
0: out there. living the dream. I think that um I think that it's uh there's there's a tool that I'm actually using at the moment called AI PRM, um, and it's it's a tool in its own right, but it's got a plug to Chat GPT, um, and on the free plugin in version you can select the language so you can change from u s to u k English, which is a big time saver mm-hmm. um and then it's got a little drop down for tone and style as well okay. but those are very limited but uh, if you've got the paid version um then you can obviously kind of set up kind of brand style guides, but I think that it's that particular technology is in, in its infancy, because mm. even when you're prompting, you know, write this with a friendly tone and the output spits out something that sounds like a stone surfer, you know, <laughs> um, it doesn't quite understand like mm. friendly versus friendly. And um, when I was writing my little ebook, um, I, I was feeling lazy one day which we're going to speak about uh, productivity versus laziness in a moment. Um, I was feeling lazy. And so I was like, this is what I want to say. These are my thoughts. Write it in the style. And I copy and paste it about two pages um, that I'd already written myself. And it spat out like – I was a stone surfer in the in that particular section. And I'm like, I can't use this. It sounds nothing like me. So you have to be so careful mm. about. Uh, and again, that's why you need that human intervention. I think at the at the end of the cycle. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. Sorry, Michelle.
1: Oh no, I was just going to say, um, Mid Journey has something similar in that you can revisit some of the images that you've generated um and you can use those as a reference um or pick up from where you left off so let's say like you threw in the towel at like nine o'clock at night because you're just like it's just not getting there but there was one gem in that 40 or whatever images that you you rendered um and then you can sort of revisit that one and you know iterate from there as well or pull the um the prompting that you used there and tweak the prompting so it's not it's not perfect but um yeah, from that side, it is quite handy to to be able to revisit what you've generated in the past.
0: Because mm-hmm. if you look at
1: those threads as well, I mean, you could never find your stuff. If you had to go yeah. back like the day. there's thousands of images.
0: Yeah, I found I could never find my images in the first place. And maybe that's because I don't use Discord and I'm not used to it. But you prompt and then your stuff disappears and you're scrolling forever and you can't find it again. So, yeah, um, that's why I told you about the private chats. That was my preferred interaction with Discord. Um, But yes, so um, let's go to the line between productivity and laziness because now we've kind of agreed there was a general consensus that AI can make you more productive. Um, In my case, I'm shoving more work into the same amount of time because, uh, you know, I want to earn more money. So I'm taking on more work and I can push it out a lot uh, quicker. Um, But on the flip side, come Friday afternoon, I'm not in the mood to really be behind my desk anymore, and th- there's a very the the sl- the slippery slope to let me just actually let Chat Chat GPT handle this. Is uh, it's a it's a real thing. I mean, it's a, it's a big issue. So um, where is the the line between productivity and and maybe the, the I don't know if maybe the better question is where would your clients be comfortable you know between you just using ai to generate content and uh you putting the the effort in like have you slipped mm-hmm. into that laziness uh trap because of ai hmm.
2: so i'd say i mean it's it's all about the outcome so i mean i'm not good enough to, at prompting to create an acceptable client ready version out of chat gpt you know but If you're really great at prompting, that's a skill in itself. And if that outcome is better than what you could have produced on your own, go for it. Um, So, and I mean, I think Google has has a similar view of things. So, you know, in their content guidelines, what they say about AI is it rewards, well, Google rewards high quality content, regardless of how it's produced. And I think the Mm. same applies to your client work. If what you have produced is the best possible outcome and version that you could produce, no matter if it was 80% AI, 20% you, or 1% AI, and 99% you, that's what you need to be looking for. And you might get lucky. You might have some pieces where you know, what AI generates is 50% usable and great. And in that case, take the win and move on. And then you might have cases where you're going to have to work on it a lot longer. So I think as long as you focus on what is the goal of this piece? What is the outcome? Is this the highest quality that I can produce using my brainstorming buddy and myself? um, I think Mm. that's where you measure it. Mm. Mm.
0: Mm. And you, Michelle?
2: Yeah, Um, I agree. I
1: think uh, because I'm still learning the world of prompting and, you know, figuring my way through it. I think um, at this point in time, it actually causes me a little bit more work um, because I will work really hard to get the right image. Uh, I feel Mm. like I'm already trying to produce an image. Let me just keep going until I get it perfect. Um, whereas before it was, um, a matter of like, you would produce your key visual with the assets you had available, which in the most part were stock, you'd present that to client and then you'd be like, cool, this is what we want to shoot. These are some references. You know, you would never have like a very close to finished product at that stage and from there, you'd have to go and start crafting. Now, um, the crafting is happening almost up front. So you're generating an image, but you're prompting, and you're doing iterations, and you're getting it better and better and better. And then you're taking that image, and you're still doing more to it. So, you know, um, for example, you generate an image of a, a guy in like some really cool clothing, but the colors are wrong for the brand. So you land up recoloring it anyway, because you just cannot get the the prompting that specific to recolor the, I don't know, the the color of his hoodie or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So um, at this point in time, I can't say it's making um, my life easier um, and giving me any shortcuts, but um, it is upping my quality and that I can get to the result that I'm looking for um, in a more realistic way. I don't have to go into shoots and things like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, from uh, from a, a graphic perspective, you, I mean, you've just hit the nail on the head in terms of timelines and and productivity and you know the, and costs because you don't need to like set up an entire shoot to like get a picture of you know mushroom fettuccine. You can just generate it in in uh, Dali now or Chat GPM um, uh, Midjourney. I mean, it's uh, that is driving the price down a lot from from a client perspective um, and i don't know what your guys feeling is i think that this kind of price decrease is going to be short-lived because mm-hmm. i mean when when the calculator came out then suddenly everyone could do their own accounting but uh, we still pay accountants a shitload of money so um you know it's it becomes more specialized as you go so yeah um i i think that the 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 driving prices down thing is going to be I, when I say short-lived, I don't mean like it's going to be over tomorrow. It's going to be like a an adoption curve. So, um...
2: hey, fellow freelancers, Shay here. You expected more from freelancing, right? I know because I've been there, overworked, overwhelmed, and just over it. But guess what? There is a way out. I managed to increase my income by 55% while working 20% less. And I'm going to show you exactly how I did it in my new Work Less, Earn More course. I Guarantee in just four weeks, you'll be able to start working at least one hour less while earning more. Walk the dog at 11am, plan a getaway, make yourself an extravagant lunch. Why bloody not? So it's time to reclaim your time, boost your income and achieve the freedom that you crave. Be sure to ask Megan how to get an extra 10% off just for being here. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, Can I ask Michelle I,
2: a quick question? Um, so we've spoken, you've spoken a couple of times about stock imagery. Is that going the way of the dodo now or where does that leave Shutterstock and all those companies? So they've all
1: started developing their own AI um okay. engines as well so that you can generate ai content there or um edit using ai tools
2: okay um
1: i i i do strongly feel that there is always going to be some need for human um involvement so i don't think we're going to see stock imagery disappear um i think it's still going to be that same that same level of crafting that's needed so you could have someone who's just stepped out of college and they use ai and they generate stuff and the the end designers okay you know because it's they don't have the experience to create something polished Um, and you could have someone who's experienced and they've gone and purchased something off of um, a stock site and they've modified it and they've done stuff to it and it's a beautiful polished end piece so i don't see it disappearing but it is um it is trying to adapt with the times especially with the the programs themselves like um Photoshop and Illustrator having AI tools within them now as well.
0: Okay, awesome. Interesting. Now, mm. you've mentioned, Michelle, and uh, this is not something that we we initially kind of uh, had on the radar to discuss, but um, we had, you know, well, kind of, maybe we did. Is AI an opportunity or a threat? Um, and, uh, I think that there's a lot of opportunity. I think that wh- when you start working with AI, you very quickly realize its limitations. So hmm. you, you don't see it as much of a threat as like the average human, like it's not sentient. It's not going to take over the world. It's just essentially speeding up process time, um, and, and, uh, enhancing productivity and streamlining processes and all that kind of thing. But now you mentioned, you know, someone straight out of college, Um, You know, doing something an old school way, like how how quickly do you think um, the the adoption process is going to be that, like, if you don't adopt, you're going to die? Like, you know, should they already be teaching AI tools in college? Like, should we all already be using AI? Um I mean you've got the purists and uh, you see it in the music industry you know you've got your Dave Grohl of the Foo Fighters and like if you're not playing the instruments it's not music etc but then you've got someone like Mike Shinoda who can basically create any sound and he is just as famous for for creating music using a computer so you know um there's kind of two schools of thought and there's still a space for both I think but um I don't know what you guys think about like are content creators who are not using AI yet, or have they already been left behind? Is this going to be like you have to adopt or you're going to die?
1: I think it would be remiss not to adopt it. I think um, like any other tool in the software, You know, the software that I use on a day-to-day basis is updated so regularly, and they're always adding new tools in. And it's the same kind of thing, you know. Now we've got this toolbox with this strange new tool. If we don't know how to use it, we can carry on doing our jobs. But that tool could maybe make things a little bit easier. For example, generative Full in, in Photoshop. I'm working with an image. I have these dimensions. I need to make it wider. I don't have any more image to make it wider, but I can use generative full in Photoshop and create a pretty uh, decent background. Um, you know, I think for, for the next gen who are busy studying and stuff at the moment, if they're not learning those skills, um, it's, it's not going to really help them that much. They'll still have the core foundational stuff and that's super important, but they're also going to be doing it with one hand tied behind their back compared to the guys that are fluent in it.
0: Mm. -hmm.
2: I think it's the same uh, comparison as, you know, are you going to do your assignment using an encyclopedia from the library or are you going to use Google? You know, eventually, mm-hmm. if you're not using Google, it's going to ta- you're not going to get that assignment in on time, you know. Yeah. So some may adopt slower than others, but I think ultimately we're all going to have to incorporate these tools in our daily lives, not just in our work. But I mean, we already are. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and more so than we realize, you know, Netflix is telling us what to watch. Spotify is telling us what to listen to. It's been going on forever. It just, I think the generative side became um, a bit of a game changer and eye opener.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that um the opportunity and threat are essentially the same thing. I think the the threat lies in not adopting AI into your processes, even if it's in like the smallest way possible, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to generative AI because uh okay, like fair enough. I have uh I, I don't believe that AI can generate any new content ideas um it's it's not capable of original thought so you still need your own brain to to mm. kind of connect dots and come up with original ideas but um in order to execute it's i mean it's a tool to execute so if you're not mm. using it to execute in some way um i think that you're missing an opportunity and by doing that it's it's threatening your function mm
2: and use it to to free up the min- mundane things so that your brain actually has space to use its uniquely human things like emotional intelligence mm. and imagination and creativity. So get it to summarize the piece of text or create the bullet list or whatever it is that's going to free you up to actually do some critical thinking, which it can't yeah. do.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, um, flipping back to something Michelle said earlier about, uh, you know, you upload a reference image to, um, to kind of help the prompt. Um, that kind of leans into the whole copywriting, responsible AI, ethical use thing. And um, I mean, this is a multifaceted, and I, I don't want to obviously bog down the conversation, getting too technical about it. But um, uh, at the end of the day, Generative AI is a tool, whatever you're using. So um, you are still responsible as a user. I mean, we're not speaking now about training data sets and, you know, mm. open AI, scraped the internet and kind of copyright infringed on like all people's novels and all that kind of thing. But you as the user... Where does the mm-hmm. um, the ethical line lie? Because, uh, you know, when you're uploading an image or you're kind of pr- providing a reference text in ChatGPT, you don't necessarily own that image yourself. So, mm-hmm. like, there's a bit of a gray area in terms of the, the copyright. I mean, you're not using that to earn money or you're not using it as the final product. But yeah. um, how how do you guys... Uh, deal, kind of balance those kind of ethical and responsible issues. Mm. I think firstly,
2: making sure that whatever you're putting in there is, it's not something you would hide from the public domain in the first place, you know, not something that's super proprietary or, uh, you know, under lock and key or top secret. So, I mean, that's step number one. Um, And then ensuring originality on top of that. So, I mean, I know in the States, There's quite a a gray area between this was very close to something that's already been published and people can actually sue. I mean, they love to sue. So, I mean, they'll find (laughs) any reason to sue. But if it's close enough, you could be in trouble. So, Mm. to make sure that you, I think, avoid that direct copy-paste is also important Um, And it's going to be quite interesting with the new copyright, well, hopefully it isn't signed into law, that's meant to be signed on the 29th of February or something in South Africa, where basically the government's saying that any content can be used for educational purposes or, yeah, I think it was educational purposes. Um, Mm -hmm. I could be wrong. So, and then you have no rights as the author of that information. So it'd be interesting to know how... Mm. (laughs) Yeah, how AI would play into that too with mm. what it spits out and what you could use.
0: Um, yeah, there's
2: a lot of petitions against that at the moment.
0: Please sign one if you haven't already. Um. Um, I, I have. I've I've got a very very good IP lawyer, so I can send you his name. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah, it's scary
2: stuff. And without me pretending to be a lawyer or anything, that's that's all I have to say on the matter.
0: Mm. <laughs> Awesome. And and you, Michelle, um, how, how are you, uh, skirting the issue is not the right terminology, but how are you working within the parameters of this whole copyright issue?
1: So I think at this point in time, the way that I'm using AI is to generate images to lead me to a treatment. So I'm still very much against using AI generated images in advertising, without there being some kind of reference that it is AI generated. Um, it mm. kind of goes back to, um, you know, if you look at magazine images and you see just how photoshopped the person is compared to how they actually look, you know, it's that kind of area of, um, of make believe and mislead that I, I don't feel that comfortable with. So, mm. you know, from, from my perspective, I try to use the, um, the AI tools to, as a stepping stone in the creation of final work so Mm. i will storyboard using ai tools but then i will go and shoot stuff with professional photographers with talent etc so we are creating something original at the end of the day Mm. we're not just um recycling stuff you know i i have a massive massive issue when it comes to the referencing of artists work you know you've you've got someone who spent like the last 30 years perfecting their craft and getting their brushstroke to be unique. And, you know, they, and then AI just sort of goes in there and pulls it out as a a term. And suddenly you've got like 3000 images generated to look like a Todd Lockwood painting, for example. And, um, you know, I, I do feel like if there is some kind of referencing system or something that they can use, to inform the public that this is a generated AI image and to be able to protect copyrights of the, the authors. I think that's mm-hmm. super important. Um, because, th- I mean, those people have worked really hard to to get to where they are, right? They've crafted, they've perfected their craft and something can generate something similar in, you know, a few seconds.
0: Yeah, um, yeah.
1: It's the same as, as sort of academic research, right? You wouldn't be able to just use someone else's research and put it forward as your own. And I'm kind of like, Mm -hmm. there there needs to be some sort of referencing or some kind of um, system in place to just protect the author at the end of the day.
0: Yeah,
2: And what do you guys Um, think about journalism? So, you know, um, news agencies that are getting bots to write articles, and do you think that should be disclosed?
0: Yes, because I think that as as we adopt generative AI more and more, I think that um, it's going to be easier and easier to spot bot-generated content. I mean, if you work with a lot of generative tools like ChatGPT, I mean, you said yourself, like you can see the the prompt g- or the the ChatGPT-generated uh, social media posts. Um, you 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 can pick it up a lot easier, mm. especially like even long form, like you know it's been prompted, write me a thousand word piece on X, Y, Z. And essentially it just kind of, like I said earlier, it repeats the same question and it never gets to the point. And then right in the last paragraph, it's like, so X, Y, Z. So I think that's, uh, I think that news agencies that are using generative AI without human intervention are going to lose credibility if they don't, um, if, if, if they just like pushing content out and not disclosing. Um, I don't know about whether they will disclose because I certainly won't click onto an article if it says this article was generated by Generative AI because then I can just go into ChatGPT and generate the article myself, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, but I think that if it's not disclosed, it, the kind of news agencies, and um, they're going to u- lose credibility and the, the news industry is already in turmoil. so mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: Mm. And it raises um, some very interesting questions as well i mean um i i think i shared the the ai um that article on that uh peacekeeping ai tool that they were <laughs> planning um and it was basically just like everyone <laughs> That's yes, how we-,
0: we want world peace
1: <laughs> and i'm like it all depends on what's been fed into it right so it's the same mm. thing with journalism like um i know that um uh, Google is having an issue at the moment because their their AI is too um, inclusive and too politically correct and trying to to bring in, you know, a more even playing field, which is a really great goal. But, you know, if you're generating um, an image of a specific person in history and that's totally not the person, uh, you know. Um, so I think that's what's paid to it, yeah
0: the the example i think they used was to generate an image of the us founding fathers and it put like people of color and women in there because it needed to be a um an inclusive mm. I, I think they have shut it down i read something just before That's we came on that they, they, they put it offline because it was like generating these weird things um i don't know like how do you guys feel do you feel icky using generative ai um because Uh, As the prompter, you are seen as the author of that image or that piece. So even though it was generated by AI and you can quite easily, you know, uh, slap it out there and you are still considered as the author. um, I mean, obviously, you guys, uh, should people feel gross about doing that? Because. Under the law, technically, they are seen as the author, even though they've used the prompt tool to generate it. Um, Where where are people drawing the line? Um, You know, I
2: think again, as I was saying before, it's about the outcome. So if you, I would feel icky if I was just doing a copy paste. Or I think I, I mentioned it to you, Mig, about someone who interviewed me for a magazine article and I gave them, I wrote up my nice little answers, thought, oh, this is going to be such a great article. And when I saw it in the magazine, I was like, OMG this is 100% written top to tail by chat gpt they threw my interview answers in there and I didn't even tell one person about it or share it with anyone because it was mm. icky and I, <laughs> that was to me yeah. was really icky <laughs> i was like i spent all this time crafting my answers and now chat has just turned them into sort of a mindless mush um mm. so mm. that for me was a definite ick factor um but yeah i think if you can stand proudly behind what you put out, whether some of it's generated by AI or not, um, that's that's where I would draw the
0: line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, Mish?
2: Yeah.
1: Um, for me, I really don't like using AI in the final result. I, I like to... You know, have that intuitive interaction with the design and craft it and work with it and fight with it sometimes. And I feel like skipping some of those steps sort of cheapens it somehow. Um, you know, if there was a there was an example I read um, of someone who took a Keith Herring painting that was deliberately left unfinished, and they generated what the rest of the image should look like. And the whole reason it was left unfinished was just not considered at all and by taking that and generating the rest of it and presenting it like look i finished it for you it was just like it was it was slammed by people because they were like how could you do that that's actually so insensitive Mm -hmm. um and yeah i mean i you know if i think of the number of people i interact with for example on a shoot who might not get a chance to be involved in the creative process if i just generate an ai image it's yeah i think it should mm. be it should be a a tool to get to the end but not the end in itself
0: yeah yeah i completely agree um it's a tool i mean uh, it's it's again it's how you leverage it so again with my my calculator uh metaphor analogy whatever you want to call it you know um are you using that calculator to commit fraud or are you using it to help someone just you know work out their salary you know um it, it it's a tool and it can be used in multiple ways and there are unfortunately always people that are going to use it in inappropriate ways but um yeah uh that's that's my take i i, I think that you should be guided by your own moral compass mm. in terms of the, the ickiness factor um mm. if you're comfortable then good for you. But uh, try and, and, try and at least have the, that human touch.
2: Yeah, that's the beauty of it. And that's why we still exist as creative. So the fact that it is just a tool is why we are still sitting working on mm. our client work today. You know, it's not mm. able to bring that nuance, that context, that emotion, that human element. And that's awesome because that's what we do. So as long as it stays in the, in the tool category, we've still got our jobs.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think um, that's probably my takeaway from this conversation and, and all the conversations. I mean, mm. AI is just such a trending topic. You can't, I, I was at a, I went to a, a a client meeting. It was a brand new client, Um, never met them before. We spoke about five minutes about their product and then the rest of the hour was spent about mm-hmm. talking, speaking, talking about AI and generative tools. Um, so it's like, it's regardless, it's it's everywhere, everyone's talking about it. Um, I think that if you're not using it, you are being left behind, you mm-hmm. need to start as soon as possible, adopt these things into, I mean, you don't have to dedicate your life to it. I mean, uh, smart, you know, what is it, internet of things, I, my coffee machine's not connected to the internet, you know, I don't need to control my curtains from my my cell phone <laughs> but uh you know there's still that human um that human intervention and it's the same with ai uh i think that you need to try and integrate it it'll speed up your process but you need to learn how to use it and you need to start doing it soon because the, the quicker it evolves the further you're going to get left behind mm-hmm. um but yeah my takeaway is that there's always going to be the need for for human intervention regardless of how good the tool is um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you, if you have a different thought, Michelle.
1: No, I'm, I'm, I'm firmly in camp human. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Mainly because I've worked for too long to try and, you know, get better at my skills and stuff. I think, um, yeah, like any tool it's got its place. Um, But without that, that human touch stuff starts becoming hollow and it's, it's, even the mm. process of creating it starts mm. becoming hollow and meaningless. And, you know, I'm mm. all for robots taking over like our menial chores, mm. but they must leave some of the the beauty and the creative to us.
0: Mm. Mm. Well, this could launch into a whole nother conversation about uh, where the content itself, content marketing and the content we're actually producing does have a deeper meaning and not hollow because we're (laughs) posting it all over social media and the internet, but that's a conversation for another day. (laughs) Um, So I I don't know, closing remarks. Um, I, I, I've enjoyed this. Thanks guys. Thanks Mm -hmm. Michelle for taking time. Um, Thanks Shay for, for joining us after hours. Um, I know you're very, um, uh, protective of your your after hours. Uh, we didn't book this in Calendly with you, so thank you for I know. Just as well I as showed
2: up. <laughs> hey, touch and go there.
0: <laughs> um, so cl- closing remarks. I mean, is, uh, do you guys have any kind of last thoughts before we before we end it?
2: I don't because I think Michelle summed it up really beautifully. So mm. what she said.
0: Okay, <laughs> awesome. So do you want to repeat that, Michelle? Do you remember what you said? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tell me about <laughs> Camp Human. Human, yeah,
1: yeah. I, I I'm really I'm enjoying the journey with, with AI. You know, um I, I really believe you need to keep that core of humanity in your work. You need to be actively involved in your own work. Um otherwise, you know, why do it? Um mm. You know, and it's it's an interesting journey because um I, I get so much amusement out of seeing what other people are generating and what's getting fed to them. I mean, it's just sometimes so ridiculous. Um and I, I, I don't know, it's really like stupid humor, but I look at it and I, I just I enjoy it, you know. Um I yeah. enjoy seeing these people with an extra arm coming out like <laughs> the side, you know, because AI decided they needed three arms. Um <laughs> but yeah, you know, I know. I think generally speaking it's uh, you know if you can keep that human soul in your work that's that's what matters and I think that's what clients want as well because they want to connect on a human level they don't want mm-hmm. stuff just sort of churned out for them um mm-hmm. because it is going to all start feeling the same and yeah. I think I think that's where the the human touch makes a difference
2: yeah and those are the I kind think- of clients you want to have you know mm-hmm. not the ones you're happy for just turned out, regurgitated, generic
0: bullshit. Yeah. yeah. And I, th- I think that that's where our challenge as creators lies is because an AI can push something out, you know, you put a prompt in and it literally takes like three seconds to put an output. Um, the, the the challenge that we face as creators is infusing that human element. And if you're working for a brand or a company that's got a very specific brand persona, ensuring that that brand voice is coming through in the content, um, because uh, otherwise it's just going to kind of disappear into the ether as another piece of generic content Mm -hmm. that no one takes notice of. So I think that uh, brand voice and, um, and brand personality is is kind of where our skill sets as creators is going to become ever more important um, until AI uh, can correctly understand style guides. <laughs> 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 um, cool. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you guys. And um, you. yeah, uh, again, uh, if, if you enjoyed this, please do share. Um, and uh Click subscribe whether you're listening on uh, the your favorite podcast channel or on the YouTube channel. Please subscribe, share it with your with your mates, share it with other freelancers, uh, share it with other creatives, uh, even AI nerds um, who can uh, can gain some interest or uh, points. That hopefully we haven't spoken the biggest load of crap. Even the the (laughs) coders. Even the coders. and yeah, thanks. uh, thanks again, Shay and Michelle. And uh, until next time, uh, keep it real. Keep it real, yo.
2: Awesome. Thank you.
0: Cheers. Thanks so much. Bye. Follow the Business of Podcast on my website, megamillist.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the YouTube channel at Megamillist. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Megan Darcy, M-E-G-A-N-D-apostrophe-A-R-C-Y. Chat soon.